got to learn Torah here. This week's parsha is parsha Shoftim. Uh, familiar parsha for us. Um, some of us are August babies, and these parshios, these Devarim uh, parshios, are very familiar. Um, let us get going. So, before, as we've started doing, ever since um, Rebbetzin Simon brought this up, we got to make sure, as we before we delve. Uh, into a specific topic. Let's just get an overview so we don't miss out on many ideas of the Parsha. So this week, even though it's not such a long Parsha as far as the amount of verses, we're trying to break it down into like a number of compartments and we narrowed it down to 18. Uh, sometimes it's like, sometimes it's like you could have 120 psukim and you could really bullet it to like six to 10 topics. And you get to Devarim because so many of it is, is a repeat. And there's so many mitzvos. There's actually 41 mitzvos um, in uh, in this week's parsha that are that uh, that come up. Uh, 15, uh, 14 of them are positive commandments. 27 of them are uh, are negative commandments. So it's hard. It's hard for me to break it down into more than 18. Let's just give a quick run over of the 18 different bulleted points that our parsha is going to discuss, and then we'll go take apart verse by verse. So our parsha begins with the mitzvah of appointing. Shoftim judges and Shotrim officers. The difference between a judge and an officer is a judge makes the laws, the officers make sure the laws are followed. Now this is interesting, we're going to focus on this, why this is a biblical command, why is it necessary. But there's a, the parsha begins with the mitzvah of appointing judges and uh, officers. Then the next topic, it gets into the uh, prohibition of planting certain trees and you're not allowed to plant trees in specific locations, you're not allowed to plant near the Mizbeach, for example. Also, uh, putting up, uh, erecting monuments, <clears throat> Amatseva, also is forbidden. The next topic the Parsha goes through, this is number three, topic number three, is the prohibition of a Balmum, a person who has a blemish, to be involved in the service of the Mizbeach. And we're not going to get too deep into this. Just to, to mention, it's very interesting that the, the misconception that many people have, the word blemish, when it comes up, very often people think of it like it's an impurity. Um, and people use the word impurity like it's a problem. Impurity is not a problem. Impurity, as we've learned many times in the Torah, is actually a proof of holiness. You, the, the more holiness there is, the more impurity is possible. When there's less holiness, there's less chance for impurity. So... Tumah is actually a sign that there's holiness which, which exists. And when somebody is a Balmum, when somebody has what we call a blemish, it doesn't mean you have a problem. I actually, if I were to be a Kohen, which I'm not, if I were to be a Kohen, I would be forbidden to do the Avod in the Beis HaMikdash. I wouldn't be uh, one of the Kohanim doing the service. And the reason for that is, is I'm left-handed. And uh, a, a left-handed person does not do the Avodah. Now you might say, well, what's wrong with being left-handed? Okay, the answer is, well, maybe right-handed people will say, is something wrong with me? Um, but the truth is, when I take out a pen to write, people say something. It's very common. People say, oh, you're left-handed. Oh, oh you're a southpaw. Right? People say, so you might say, so what? See, here's a very important akuda. It's a very important avayda. Ready for this. Why it matters is that Let me give an a introduction to why it matters. You ever listen to a speech of a person who has an incredible vocabulary 
and they bring down words that you might know what they mean, but they kind of throw you off kilter a little bit. Like, it's not my comfort way of being spoken to. And it might make the speaker sound smart or the one I'm in a conversation with sound smart. And maybe at times it's important that people know you are well-versed and educated and have a strong vocabulary. Yet, it's not normal. And it's distracting. I can tell you when I'm in a speech with somebody who uses words that I'm not comfortable with, I can know what they're talking about. But when they say things that just don't sit in my normal, regular life, it throws me off. I, I don't soak it in the same way. I'm not as comfortable listening to that person or conversing with that person. It's a, when it comes to, now, there's no problem at all. And it's actually at times, it's a right to do that. See, here's the avayda. Here's, here's the service over here. When we come to the Beis HaMikdash, when we come to the place that Hashem made in the world, that I'm supposed to be comfortable and just connect and bond with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Torah says distractions shouldn't be there. Even if it's not a negative distraction. It's not the right time to start noticing other things. And if I'm left-handed and you notice that in a way, even if it's just like interesting, interesting, okay, that, that coin is left-handed. That's not the right time to be noticing other things. And there's different uh, types of balimon. For example, it says if somebody has a, uh, a eyebrow that goes all the way across their head. <laughs> right? It's a mum. Why? Why is it a mum? Because it's not, it's, it's a pasuk in the Torah. Pasuk in the Torah. Why? Why is it? Because you're going to notice it. There's nothing wrong. It's not even, I might even think it's stylish. I might even think whatever. It doesn't matter. But the Avaida is, is that it's different. It's different. There's a time and place for things to be different and a time and place for things to not be different. In the Beis HaMikdash, and this is very, very chashev, because nowadays shuls and Bati Medrash, that we have this chus to, to sit in, right? It takes the place of, a, it takes the, place of, of the Beis HaMikdash. It, it, it's meant to be a place where people feel like they belong. People feel like they're comfortable. People, that's, that's the tachlis. That's what it is. There shouldn't be... It shouldn't be like distracting in other ways. In other ways, and I'll tell you, this is something. And again, I, I could be, I could change my mind completely on this. And I'm, I'm, I'm always developing, and we're all, we're all uh, developing. But many of you may have noticed. And again, it's, it's not, I don't even know if this is right. I don't even know if this is right. Many of you may have noticed that in general, and maybe you could find one or two exceptions since, since uh, you know we've, uh, I've been with the shul over the past 12, 13 years. Um, and, and that is, we don't do, um, we don't do, um, like, immediate appeals. There's, like, people are, to, we'll have a Simchas Torah auction, but I kind of, like, keep money out of shul. Now, shuls need money to function. Shuls need money to survive. It's, it, money is a very holy thing. It, it's a Dabr Sheba Kedusha. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's nothing to, it's, it's not a problem. It's not a thing. But when you're built, there's a time and place and sometimes it can serve as a distraction, i.e., for example, for example, to me, it's very common for people, and if this works for a kahila, it works for a kahila. I'm not knocking anything. I'm trying to bring out, bring out this idea, articulate it in a stronger way. A lot of places, they'll, they'll uh, auction off something or they'll make an appeal by, 
by Yizkar, they'll make an appeal by Neila. Maybe I re- maybe I'm I read the the Kahila right. Maybe I read it wrong. I don't know. To me, I just try to be like, what would I think if I'm coming up to a Neila, and now they have like an appeal for the shul? It would throw me off. To me, it's like a, it's a distraction from the moment. Now I can hear why some places it's not. It's not a distraction. Again, you're, you're raising money for tzedakah. You're supposed to give tzedakah. It's a you know it's a, it's a beautiful concept. But to me, as a person, I'm not just my mind will get distracted by it, and therefore, you know, it's not the right time and the right place to do it. For for us, for us as a kehillah, for us as a shul, where's where's this idea brought out from the Torah? It's brought out from the Torah, right? That there's there's certain blemishes, and again, not that there's ever a problem, but it, we have to realize, recognize the overarching idea, the thought process that the Torah wants me wants me to know. This is it's, it's very profound when we learn through the Balimum the different blemishes of who, of who shouldn't do the actual avoda. Now, this doesn't mean you're not part of the Beis Hamikdash. There's other things to do. You just don't do the actual sacrifice, right? So there's a lot to learn from that. Again, how to converse with people. What words to use. Make sure to use words that people are comfortable with. Make sure to create a setting that people are comfortable in and it's not going to throw them off from, from their, uh, their avodah sashem. Okay, that's all topic number three. Topic number four, yeah. Yes. If a Kohen was a little boy and he was left-handed, then he's okay. Correct. But Correct. they also tied. My Bubby Pear wanted, mm-hmm. want, uh, 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 told my mother that she should uh, make me right-handed, and uh, it didn't work. Obviously, I'm a very strong left-hander. Uh, I could, I could, momish. Like I'm very uh, limited with with my right hand, which is, uh, uh, I wish I wasn't, but I am, um, and. The reason why she did that was just to make my life more convenient. There's, there's, it's, it's harder to purchase certain things, and it's yeah. harder to, to, you know, to yes. do things. It's, it's a right-handed world. Ninety percent of the world, I believe, is like right-handed. It's a righty's world. So, you, you, you know. I worked, I worked in a um, film office for the Sardinian office, and we're not Sardinian, but we were There's different tools. Right, so that's interesting. I'm and yeah, work so there you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. Right. right. Yeah, now people are inconvenienced and right. When my son was born, this topic came up. So Rabbi Zephyrin was saying to my daughter's class that back. Very interesting. Okay, that's called forward thinking. Uh, uh, forward thinking, and we have mitzvahs like that, you know, where. Where a, a person needs to make sure of Moshe Feinstein, and then we got to move on to the next mitzvah of the parsha. <laughs> Moshe Feinstein um, w- uh, once underwent a procedure, and it, when they told him he needed it, he asked for a few days to to decide whether to go ahead with it. And part of his uh, part of his decision had to do with in case Mashiach would, was coming which was his assumption, if the surgery would make him unfit to sit on the Sanhedrin. He knew who he was for Klal Yisrael, and the, the members of the Sanhedrin are going to be members of that generation, because you can only determine, uh, you can only uh, paskin rule for a generation that you've lived in, which is another important idea. 
um, every Gemara says that whenever we're unsure, it says, who do we wait for to give the ruling for us? Eliyahu Anavi. It says, Teku. Right? When it's, whenever we're unsure of the Gemara, the Gemara says, Teku. Teku means the question stands, and it's Tof Yud Kuf Vav. It's how you take Teku. What does Teku stand for? It's an acronym. Tishbi, Eliyahu Tishbi, Tishbi, Yitarets will answer Kushios, our questions, Va'abayos, and our curiosities. All the questions that we don't know, we're going to wait for Leo Anavi, the prophet Elijah, to, to come answer. And the Mepharshim, the commentators, ask, why the prophet Elijah? He's a big tzaddik. I'm sure he's a big tzaddik, right? But who, gave, who, who represented Torah at our Sinai? When Mashiach comes, who's we going to have? Moshe Rabbein, right? And, you know, when, when Hashem saw, showed Moshe all the Neshachim, what do you see? It's um, Adam sees all the Nisham, he's David Abelach. And then you have Maisha sees Rabbi Akiva, the Nisham of Rabbi Akiva, and all this. The greatest sages, why are you saying Aliyah Anavi? Well, Aliyah Anavi, why is he the one? And they answer this, this idea it's halacha lamaisa, practical halacha. You can only rule for a generation that you lived in. Maisha Rabbeinu is not going to be the Paisik for the generation when Mashiach comes. He's going to be our Torah leader, but as far as Paskining Shilas, it has to be a posik that's alive with that generation. Eliyahu Anavi, since he's been alive physically, living in the world with every generation, he's the only one that can answer, uh, that can answer all the questions. So Rabbi Feinstein, he wanted, in order to be a member of the Sanhedrin, who sat by the Beis HaMikdash, also you weren't allowed to have specific moments, specific blemishes, and he wanted to make sure before he underwent that surgery. So also, these, these kahanim are getting ready for Mashiach. Okay, let's keep going. Number four, amid, uh, the next topic is... Uh, is uh, Talks about the consequences of one who serves Avay Dezara. And then the Parsha gets into um, what the Sanhedrin should do when there's a suffix in halacha, when there's a doubt in halacha. Um, what happens if you have a Dayan, a judge that rebels against the ruling of the Sanhedrin? See, what happens is in every Jewish court, they had an odd number so that you never come out equal. So if let's say there's, there's, a, there's a court of three. Why is there a court of three? Because otherwise if you have two, it's, uh, you can go head to head. The halacha is as follows. If you have a, a, a bezdin with three judges, two rule one way, one rules the other way, the ruling comes down from all three. It's a very fascinating and important idea. The, be- the one dayan who argues signs on to the ruling. If this is what Raiv says, this is what majority of the bezdin holds, this is the halacha. The next size bezdin is 23. So if there's 12 verse 11, the 11 don't write a dissenting opinion saying, we're not in on this, that's your 12's problem. All 23 come out with the Pesach Halacha, they all sign on it, that's the Halacha. The same thing holds true with the, with the uh, Sanhedrin. There's a, the, 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 that becomes Tyra. If that's majority, it becomes Tyra, even for the ones who disagree. It becomes Tyra for, for everybody. You follow right, you follow majority. And then there's uh, the, the sixth topic is the Parsha gets into the midst of appointing kings on uh, Klal Yisrael and then how does the king conduct himself, the prohibition of becoming arrogant in the midst of keeping a Sefer Torah with him. The seventh topic is the prohibition of the tribe of Levi to, um, because they're not getting land, it gets involved in, in their role in the battles and in taking the spoils, dividing Eretz Yisrael. Um, then it gets into the Gifts that go to the Levium and the Kohanim. The Kohanim gets certain parts of the animal that are brought as sacrifices. The ninth topic is the um, 
the mitzvah of establishing different watches in the Beis HaMikdash, how did not every Kohen served every day in the Beis HaMikdash, so how to divide it, so there was, that was actually broken down into a little bit over 50 groups, and each, um, I'm sorry, uh, 24 mishmaros, and each shevet, each shevet, each uh, family or group took two weeks a year, and then they raffled off the last couple of weeks, how that process was done, uh, the prohibition of of um, following in the ways and the customs of the of the nations, how they talk, how they act when there's uh, when they're in mourning. Make sure your tamim tiyam Hashem lekach. Make sure you complete with Hashem your God. Then there's the mitzvah of listening to the the voice of the navi. The mitzvah again of establishing a uh, city of refuge for those who kill unintentionally. The prohibition of of um, of uh, changing the borders and boundaries of either within the land of Israel or the borders of Israel itself. The mitzvah of giving testimony and what's called an eid zomim. It's very interesting in Judaism. In, in Judaism, in Tyra, there's two ways to knock off witnesses. One way to knock off witnesses is by contradicting them. Then it's two against two. So now, what do you do? Right? you got to just work deeply at that. And then there's a concept. I don't know if they have this idea in, in civil law. It's called Edom Zaymimen. Edom Zaymimen, not to be confused with witnesses on Zoom, but that's, that was the joke That was the joke they had during COVID. That the Israeli court started accepting uh, uh, a testimony over Zoom. All the yeshiva guys got very excited. Uh, all the Edom Zoomimen, all the Edom that are coming on Zoom, I got very excited about that. But in, in, in Eid Zaymim, in Eid Zaymim is when you have two witnesses that testify, and then two other witnesses come, and they don't, re, they don't give a rebuttal on the first one's testimony. Rather, they uproot the whole ability to testify from its source. So, for example, two witnesses will come to Bezdin and they say, we saw Chana, we saw uh, Yankul, we saw whoever kill in St. Louis. So therefore, this person is a murderer. When was that? That took place on Erev Rish Chodesh Elul, August 16th at 1.10 p.m. We saw that in St. Louis. That was the testimony. Okay. Well, a little while later, two other witnesses show up and they say, we want to tell you something. Those two witnesses that testified about the murder on Erev Rish Chodesh Elul, on August 16th at 1.10 p.m., they actually were in Florida at that time. Therefore, the halacha is, we only believe the second witnesses. Because they're not coming to contradict, they're not saying, Yohana'ah, Yohana'ah. They're actually uprooting the whole source of the testimony the second group will be listened to, and the and then the Ibn Zaytim have uh, unique halachas, what we do, uh, they, they receive to them what they tried to do to the person they claimed was a killer. Um, then there's a mitzvah to not be afraid of any uh, any enemies in war. Then the 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 three final ones is the mitzvah of appointing the uh, a kayan overseeing the battle and his instructions to those who go out to battle, which were the biggest tzaddikim who ended up fighting for Klal Yisrael. Obviously, it was not <laughs> through the the strength of our hand that we that we were victorious in battle. Anybody who was afraid of sin left battle. Um, then he gets into the different halachas between a obligatory battle and a optional battle the obligation to 
to uh, um, have diplomacy before going into battle. And finally, the mitzvah of Egla Rufa, the, which has to do with the mitzvah of accompanying people from your town, making sure people are comfortable, they're traveling, and if somebody is killed in between cities, then uh, the, the Bezdin, the leadership of that town, is held accountable. So those are the, all the uh, primary topics of our Parsha. Now let's get going into the Parsha. All right. So we began with the mitzvah of appointing judges and officers. Here we go. You should have shoftim. You should have judges. Vishotrim. And you should have officers in all of your gates. Meaning in all the cities of Eretz Yisrael. That Hashem, your God, has given you. Meaning the land. He's given you all these cities. For your tribes. They should judge the people righteously. What should they do? Do not pervert judgment. Do not show any sort of favoritism in court. It is unfair for one side to think that a judge likes the other side better. You have to be completely impartial, not only in your mind, but how you show things to a point where the, the halacha is, you're not allowed to have one litigant stand while another one sits. You're not allowed to have one litigant in the room before the other one walks in, because the second person who walks in thinks that there's a chance the first litigant already got the first dibs, already got their word in. And that's already, they're starting out from behind. Even if it's not true, a judge is not allowed to create a setting where there's any sort of thought. That's called hakaras ponim. You're, you're giving off implications of favoritism. And you're not allowed to take bribery. Interestingly, you'd think, fine, don't show favoritism, don't pervert judgment, don't take bribe, no bribes. Make sense? I think we'd all understand that. For some reason, the Torah needs to explain why bribery is a problem. Because bribery blinds wise people, doesn't blind fools. Fools are already blind. It blinds people who are smart, are wise. And it makes crooked a person who's a tzaddik. You're a complete tzaddik, but it's going to make your words crooked. Okay, let's go. Let's get into this. I want to first look at the words. Shofate. What's a shofate? A judge. Take out the letter pay. Which is a pe, a mouth. Take out the mouth. What are you left with? Shotim, fools. Okay? Left with fools. A judge, a judge, an officer, is made worthy by what comes out of his mouth. He's made worthy by what comes out of his mouth. What's a shoter? What's an officer? So, that we explained is somebody, let me see over here. Um, I'm sorry? Who carries out, right? Somebody who carries out the judgment. I'm trying to go through the, the exact letters though. Over here, one second. All right. So a shofet with his mouth needs to make sure that all the following halachas with the pet, otherwise all the following halachas that are listed, for example, um, the perversion of judgment, making sure that there's no hakaras panim, that nobody feels in any way that they're not being taken as seriously as anybody else. He's the one responsible. Otherwise, this is a court of shote. This is a court of uh, this is a court of uh, foolishness. Okay. So you should place all these things b'chol sharecha. What are your gates? It's an interesting expression. You should say, have courts in every city. What are sharecha? So gates are openings. So the, the uh, balei drush, those who darshan up sukkim, 
they say the Torah is hinting to us with this unique word is that not only, we're not only referring to officers in court and judges in court, but we need to do this in all your gates, meaning for all of our individual's openings. What's all our openings? Listen to this. Our ears, our nose, our mm-hmm. eyes, our mouth, any opening that we have, every person individually has to be a shofate and a shoter over themselves. We have to take achrayas, we have to take responsibility and be honest with ourselves and ask, do my actions, do the things I listen to, do the things I speak, do the things I see, the way I see, how, I, how everything comes in, is it coming in with the, um, with the uh, expectations of the Torah? Okay, so um, therefore it says, because these are gates are openings, all the openings of a person's body give off the, um, give off the knowledge of really what, what ends up uh, happening with us. I don't know if I ever shared this in this specific setting of this Parsha class, but something that I, I found to be extremely profound. All the openings of the body have built-in abilities to close. There's a built-in ability for every opening in the body to not be used. There's one sense that we don't have a choice. The ears. It's the only thing that we don't have a choice. There's no, there's no closure. A nose, you could say there's no closure, but you just don't have to smell. It takes an action to smell. You have to breathe in. The ears, if you say something to me and my ears aren't closed, I simply don't have a choice but to hear. Everything else has the built-in ability to close. And I forgot where I saw this. I have to look back at my notes. I think it was in Safer Bracious, Parsha Bracious. Um, Hashem made our bodies in a way that the expectation is to live in a, in a world of holiness. Where if there, was, if there would be pure holiness, we could function. So here's what happens. When you have pure holiness, sometimes you're obligated to close your eyes. You're not allowed to look. Like it says, God told Moshe Rabbeinu, you know, you can see me from the back, you can't see me from the front. When certain times when things are holy, you don't look. You don't look. The mouth, sometimes you talk, sometimes you don't talk. There's a time to, to say, a time, even, and what I mean by don't talk, I don't mean bad things, because again, I want us to envision a world, imagine there was nothing ever bad. There's only Kedusha. So imagine we're living in a setting and there's strictly Kedusha. That's the only thing that exists. It's a world of absolute Kedusha. In a world where there's only holiness, you have to be able to close your eyes. In a world of absolute holiness, you have to be able to close your mouth. You don't speak in front of God. You don't talk uh, uh, around Him. In a world of only holiness, you never close your ears. The, ears, the ear is the one organ in the body that if there's holiness, there's never a, a time or place to shut it off. Every other organ, there's a time and place to shut it off within Kedusha, within holiness. The time to smell, not smell. Time to see, not see. Time to talk, not talk. In a perfect world, in a perfect world, the ears are like solely created where if there would only be Kedusha, we listen, we listen into that. I just find it to be an interesting concept once we're dealing with the, uh, once dealing with the, uh, the gates that we're, that we're referring to. Okay. Yeah. Sand on the eyes and on the mouth, 
protection. protection. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Very nice. Okay. And now we got to judge favorably. Now let's let's focus a little bit on bribery. So the Gemara in Ksubis, Daf, Kufhei Amadbeis, 105b. The Gemara says that the word shochad in Hebrew, bribery, is a connection of two words, which means shahuchad. Bribery is shahuchad. You become one. That you are now one. When somebody ever receives a favor from somebody else, you become one with them, which is something that's beautiful about giving gifts, receiving gifts. You, we're, we're, we're becoming, to a certain extent, one. Whenever you receive, you're on giving or receiving end, you're becoming one with that person. Says the reason why this is crucial, this is why it's crucial. Shochad, bribery, the Torah says, we view bribery as, oh, you took a bribe? So that means that you helped that person intentionally. Would you ever allow me to judge myself? If I was, if I had a judgment, let's say a judge needs to be judged. Do we allow the judge to judge their own case? Of course not. The judge will say, I'm impartial. Lama lo. I, I'm telling you, I'll be completely impartial. I know the law. I'll look at whatever's written. I will view myself like an absolute outsider. And I will completely be fair. What are you going to say? Zelo shayach. It's impossible. It's impossible. You're, I'm sure you're right. And I'm sure you're trying your hardest to be erlich. It's impossible. It's impossible. Says the Torah. Bribery makes shahuchad. You literally become one with whoever you accepted from. That's the reality. It's not a choice you have anymore. It's not you're, you took a bribe, so now you're going to... We're concerned that you might not be impartial. No. What happens is, says the Torah, when you accept a bribe, you become the litigant. That's the problem. Shehuchad, you, uh, you become the litigant. Okay? So, therefore, says the Torah, the reason... Let me explain to you. Everything else, don't be, don't have perverted judgment. I get. It says, don't low sakir pun him. Don't show anybody favoritism. I get. When it comes to bribery, a, a judge might think big deals. They once did me a favor. They helped my kid with a job. They helped this big deal. I can still be impartial. Here's where the Torah explains. The Torah says, no, no, no. Let me explain something. You know why bribery has no place? This is beautiful. Ki because bribery, the oneness. It blinds the wise, not it blinds a person who's a corrupt official, a corrupt judge. No, no, no. It blinds a person who God himself is saying is a chacham. Not that I'm saying you're a chacham. God says, you're a gadol adar. You're awesome. You're a, I'm calling you a chacham. God, Hashem says you're a chacham, you're a chacham. And still, no. Not happening. Impossible. You know why? Shehuchan, Hashem put into this world an incredible gift. And the gift is, there's ways for humans to really connect. And one of the ways to connect is by giving to them. That's how we connect, through giving. Something I've shared before. And I don't like it, but it's too bad on me. When I was in high school, I had a teacher, I'm not going to say what subject, 
case ever goes back uh, to them. I had a teacher who was Jewish, and the teacher sent me out of class. And he told me I need to go talk to my father. <laughs> so so uh, I walked into the Spanish, and I'm like, Ta, this teacher said I need to come talk to you. So he said, what happens? I told him what happened. You know, teacher, I was like, the teacher doesn't have me this, not a mensch, not this. You know, whatever. I said, I don't like him. My father said, you're not a, you have to like him. I said, why do I have to like him? He said, what do you mean? It's not a yid. You have to like him. So I said, I don't like him. I don't think he's a good person. So, so my father put his hand on my hand like he did when he was about to put me in my place. And he says, so go to the canteen and buy a can of soda and a bag of chips and go back to class and give it to your teacher. Tell him here's a present. I was like, no. I'm buying my teacher. I don't like my teacher. He said, that's why. That's why you're going to go do that. Because if you give him something, you might start to like him. Go give him something. Give, give. You become one. You become one with a person. It's, a, it's an incredible thing. It's an incredible thing. I want to I take this to, you know, n- not to utilize this in a way of manipulation, of manipulating somebody, but to utilize it in a way where, where it's sincere. Every time we're in a hard place in a relationship with somebody, it could be a spouse, it could be a sibling, it could be a friend, it could be any, any relationship. I'm really, I'm upset at you right now. When the time is right, the best thing to do is give a gesture. Give a gesture, give a gift in a way. Uh, and again, I have permission to have permission to share this, but I'll say my own marriage, right? Baruch Hashem, we're, we're normal. And there's times where my wife and I do not agree upon things. And there's times where we're really not seeing eye to eye. And we need our, we need our, uh, we need our space, we need our space over here. So one of the things that I personally try to do, specifically under those circumstances, is I'll preface it with, a, with an unfortunate, uh, unfortunate joke that the world makes. And that is if you ever see a man holding a door for a woman, it's either a new woman or a new car. That's the, un, that's the unfortunate joke that the world makes, right? That's it, okay. After, at a certain point, it's like, you know, husbands aren't doing this anymore. They're not, they don't feel the importance. And I don't. Okay. One of the things that I, huh? Yours does. Yours does. Collectively. One of the things that I, one of the things that I'll do when we're when our relationship is feeling an element of distress is I'll make sure to open the door for my wife. The car door. The house door I always hold open. I'll talk about like a car. I'll go and my wife will give me a look like I, I know I know exactly what you're doing. I know exactly what's up. I know but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's specific. And again, it's it's in any really. It's any. It doesn't need to be in marriage. It's in anything. If, if I'm feeling a stress in something, the, the HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave a gift to me to be able to help me move past this. And that is for me to give gestures. What happens when we give gestures, the Torah says, it's shaykhad. Is it bribery? It's bribery. But this is not bribery in a way where I'm trying to get something from this. This is bribery in a way. Shahu chad. I'm trying to become one with you. I want to show I'm, I'm one with you. I may not be seeing eye to eye with you. Our, our relationship right now, uh, I'm not in the mood to go to the mall with you. I'm not, whatever we used to do, I don't want to go out for lunch with, uh, you know, with the, this old pal of mine that I'm not seeing. But I'm just, I'm going to be the person who shows gestures. When I show gestures, that is an element, shehuchad, that that's a way, Akadis Baruch Hu allows everything to, uh, 
uh, allows it to come full circle and we become one again with that, uh, with that person. Okay. Uh, continuing on this, on this uh, topic of bribery, I want to sh- just share for a moment something from Rav Dessler. Rav Dessler in, uh, in Mikhtav Melio, I think we have a couple, yeah, a couple of volumes here in Shul. Rav Hashem, we have a few sets. If anybody, this is most of the quotes from Rav Dessler. Uh, come from this, it's a beautiful set of, uh, of Svarim that's out there. But um, Rav Dessler on this Gemara in Ksubis, he says that um, he's focusing on this idea that bribery is, is, it's not that we're concerned you may want to side with one or the other. It just becomes, uh, just becomes a reality. So he brings down, he explains that the Gemara brings down an incident of Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi Yaisi. Rabbi Shmuel, the son of Rabbi Yaisi, the Gemara says he was supposed to judge a case that involved a sharecropper of his field. Now, a sharecropper is somebody who is hired to work your field and they take a percentage of the food. Okay, so instead of paying them by the hour, you give them 30% or so of whatever crop grows. And the sharecropper would bring Rabbi Shmuel his own field's produce, which is fine. One week, he used to bring it on Friday. One week, he showed up Thursday. So... Um, why did he show up Thursday? Because Bezdin was open on Thursday and he was coming to be judged in Rabbi Shmuel's Bezdin. So Rabbi Shmuel, the Gemara says, Rabbi Shmuel told him, I, I'm, he removed himself from the judgment. Nothing to do with him being a sharecropper. That he was totally fine because he was hired to do it. He never, he's, he's, it's a hired hand. It's, it's because he brought him the food a day earlier and he appreciated the food came a day earlier uh, even though it was for the convenience of the worker. Might come back twice. I might as well come you know, once I'm here for Thursday on judgment, I might as well uh, come back. So Rav Dessler says that this idea, he says that if, if the Torah is telling me that a Chacham, a person who Hashem is saying is a Chacham, is the greatest Chacham, is blinded by, by such a person, then it's it certainly, uh, none of us are ever going to be uh, exempt, from, uh, exempt from this reality. Um, Exactly. It's not a bribe. It's not a bribe. It's a favor is done. I became one. That's why it's important to know what shaykhar means. Bribery in the Torah is not, when it's not even done as a bribe. It's anything that makes me one. That's the that's the uh, nikud over here. Okay, fine. Let's let's cover a little more ground. Tzedek 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 means to be righteous. Be righteous. You should pursue leman tichia so that you will uh, so that you will live. Why does it say double? It's telling me for myself and for others. For both. We should pursue righteousness, go, go after it, make sure it's, uh, if you're going to a court, it's an, it's an excellent court. And the Chidah quotes the Zayar, who says that it's not enough for us to be tzedek, for us to be tzaddikim. We have to make sure that others are aware of what tzedekot is. That's why it says it twice. When it says it twice, people, so pshat, what's pshat? Pshat is, simple is important. When you say, when you reiterate something, it means important. Non-pshat, what we're saying over here is twice for me and for you. It's I'm not a tzaddik if you're not a tzaddik. If I'm not doing my, on my part to help you also be a tzaddik, that's a lack in my tzaddikus. This is part of the reality. Again, same as bribery. It's a reality. The reality is you, you can't be a perfect tzaddik. If part of being a perfect tzaddik, built into being a perfect tzaddik is 
helping other people be tzaddikim. If I don't help other people be tzaddikim, that is a lack in my own uh, in my own being uh, a tzaddik. One more idea in Hasidus on this of tzaddik tzaddik is that is we need to pursue tzaddik, but we also need to keep in mind that the pursuit of tzaddik can't have sheker. I struggle with this. I, this is a, a to me a very uh, profound concept that I, I need to contemplate. Um, and again, you can go for tzidkis in a sheker way. You could go for tzidkis in, in a sheker way. I'm in the middle of something right now. <laughs> Mama's dealing with something, something right now. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I know I want to do the right thing. Um, and I don't know if I'm going about it in a way of tzidkis. I, I don't know. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. Am I, am I approaching this tzidkis with sheker, it's like you, you kind of, and, and it's a, sometimes when you try to approach tzidkus and you're dealing with other people, and they have their viewpoints, and you try to under, it, it can be very frustrating and uh, not, not frustrating just emotionally, frustrating in, in my Yiddish game. I, I simply don't know. It, it's it's hard to know. There's a quote that we've spoken out in the drasha. It's something <clears throat> that my brother has shared with me. I believe it's a renowned quote. The, the truth of it, even with the little bit of experience that I have, is incredibly profound. And I'm sure the older I get, the more truth I'll see in it. And that is, never argue with a fool. They'll drag you down to their level and then beat you with experience. Right? So that's mamish what happens. You get into a conversation. In the conversation, you want to understand them. And the, 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 the other side takes you out of your element makes the conversation about that and now you're so uncomfortable about like where do I stand and you'll, you just end up losing because they have the experience there that you simply don't have not, <laughs> it's, it's such a truism it, it's such a MS Dika, uh, it's, it's such a true idea that we can get in the pursuit of tzidkus in the pursuit of righteousness we could get pulled <coughs> in the wrong direction in the right pursuit <coughs> We pursue tzidkus with sheker, and then we just like, we, we end up mamish, just losing out. Says Reb Sibcha Bunim on this pasuk, tzedek tzedek tirdaif, means run after tzedek, run after righteousness. No, tzedek, righteousness, tzedek tirdaif, has to be pursued with righteousness. That's how he reads it. Righteousness, tzedek, tzedek tirdaif. Don't pursue righteousness not with tzedekus. Even the pursuit of it has to be done in, in uh, the right way. Lahavdil Robin Hood? Yeah? Right, he steals from the rich to give to the poor. Right? So, I don't know, is he brought out as a good person? Yes. Yeah? So in, in Yiddishkeit, he's a thief. Right? He's a ganav. He's a, he's a, he's a ganav. You don't take from one person. Just, what you, you have no right. It's theirs. What do you do? Ah, you, you have a better pursuit in mind. And again, I'll just, I don't even excuse my ignorance. And this is something I should know because I know it's not like a bad thing. But is, is it a? It's not a book, is it? It's, it's an old story. It's an old fable. What? Yeah, it's based on a person, and he appears in some books like Ivanhoe. Okay, but it's not like. No. Okay. Yeah. It's not part of American history or something. They're like a mystery, some fable, or whatever. That's a folklore, okay. Okay, but this type of thing. Tzedek, if you want to do something good, tzedek tzedek. You have to run after it with tzedekus. 
It's hard to know when running after it with Sipkis. We could try. That's what the Rabbani Shalom wants. We could try. Sometimes we're going to mess up. I'm sure we will. I have. But this, this Pasuk is telling us, when you're running after righteousness, make sure you think at before, in middle, during, towards the end, after, each step of the way. Am I running after this with Sipkis or am I just keep my eye on the goal and then getting there in an improper way? Because sometimes that's what happens and it's not Derech Atayra. We will hold it here for now. Go ahead. You had a state. Yeah, what was I'm saying? I just thought that, you know, if you can tie it, and you as a rabbi, you know more Torah, but if you can tie whatever you're doing back to the Torah, going back to the source of the Torah, of what you should, and that guides you. Not these people in their conversation. Right. If you, you know, if you can ground yourself in, yeah. in, in True, I, I would say, I would add in, and the Chachamim. Maybe that's idealistic. I don't know. Maybe that's not a realistic thing. I think it is. I think, I'm just going to add add a little bit to what you're saying. You're saying to keep, stay on track, you have to go look back at the Torah. Let's just add in, you have to look back at the Torah and how the Chachamim explained the Torah. And that's because you could find the Dvar Torah, and this this we all know. I, I could make up, I could look in the Torah and make a Dvar Torah for any agenda I have. You could back up. The Torah is so much in here. If you want to understand it with your mind that way, you're going to find whatever you want to see in here. So you have to make sure that the way that the Chum, the, the tzaddikim and the Chum explain the Torah is the way that we're is the way that we're approaching it too, and we're not just saying. But it says it here. Make, make sure that the Chum uh, uh, interpreted that way too. Yeah.